0: All right, welcome back to another edition of Inside the Passion of Music and Art, Rhythm and Voice. Right now, I'm holding a bottled water that I'm drinking, and I'm holding a cap. Now, it's a cap to the bottled water, but how does an environmental artist see this cap? Is it a cap, a bottle cap, or is it a piece of plastic? Or is it nothing? Daniel the question Lanzalada.
1: What is that cap?
0: What is that cap? It's a million things.
1: It's, it's an experience. It's uh, extracted oil. It's sending someone off to war to go get the oil to make the cap. It's, it's political. It's an environmental nightmare. It's dangerous to marine life. It's dangerous to to human health. And it's also functional. It closes the bottle to hold the water. It has a a purpose, but it's very short. Single-use, when you're supposed to recycle that, you're supposed to separate the cap from the bottle.
0: How many people
1: know that? Very
0: few. And how many people do that? Even fewer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so, yes, it's a bottle cap. But to make a point, I I could take that bottle cap and turn it into a magnificent little wacky piece of work. So I I see the cap as... The beginning of a backdoor story about what plastic is in the environment and how to go about having that conversation without beating someone over the head. (laughs) So, you don't want to beat people over the head as an environmentalist because they won't talk to you. This is true. This is true of someone who has issues with different things and and, and uses violence to get a point across by doing something crazy. Uh, I'm not going to have a conversation with you, even though. You might be right about the situation, but having, having that, that kind of violence is not going to bring me to the table to talk to you. There's, there's another way to do it. So that cap represents that. There's another way to deal with this, and we're not.
0: Now, when control. did you get this passion for environmental art, or creating it? Where did that come from? It came from just
1: observing uh, years ago, sitting on the beach in Biarridge, France, watching my son play at three years old. He's 24 now and I would just sit there and make little doohickey things from the junk I found on the beach. And then I had rules and I could only make it, with assemble it from the stuff that I found with my my, uh, Swiss Army knife. And then I started to see, like every time I went to the beach, I lived right by the ocean at that time. And as I would go there, I would just see the same stuff over and over again and I would start looking for stuff. And then I would go to the beach by myself and then I started noticing like, you know, this, this is, how could this possibly be? The same things keep showing up, keep showing up. And that was in uh, 2000, about 2000. My son was four, three, four. And 20 years later, In 2014, I went back to France to do a dedication show I made 26 pieces of sculpture for a friend of mine who was lost. She was 11. She was an environmentalist.
0: At 11, she was an environmentalist? At 10.
1: And I decided I would carry on her vision, and I would make art, and I deemed myself an environmentalist. And I started making art again. I was making it before. I have all the original pieces from when I, I was sitting on the beach with my son. And I still have a lot of plastic from that time in storage. Uh, and it's it's very funny to see that plastic now, because it's the same plastic, same things that show up on the beach. It's like, there's a problem here. And when I went back in 2014, I would go take walks along the beach. Except the big difference was, when my son was three or four, the trash on the beach was up to my ankle. And this is mostly after storms. Right. And so now, in 2014, the, the trashed plastic debris was up just below my knee. So in 20 years.
0: Well, so no one is hired to come... Every day they clean it. They clean it.
1: but That's not the answer. It's, I was just wondering, it, like, they well, clean it. and what do they do with it? Where does it go? It goes like, into dumpsters, and it's carted away. It's either burnt or... But France is much different. Their recycling program is stellar compared to what we have in this country.
0: It's, and still stuff comes in from the
1: ocean? Every day, right now. 20 years later, it's worse and worse and worse, and I've never seen anything like it. I've seen The worst I've seen phys, my, physically myself is in Haiti. I've never seen anything like it. I went down there specifically to deal with plastic debris and see what was going on with a thing called Green Haiti, which my, my wife is uh, the vice president of, and it was mind-boggling. But there are solutions. There are ways to deal with
0: it. And what are some of those solutions? Well,
1: First of all, when you take extract say plastic bottles out of the environment and you break it down and you're going to make thread, to make clothes, to make fabrics, it still exists. It will eventually become trash. And so it's the same thing, the same story again. So taking it out, taking it out, taking it out, is just, it's just a method of saying away. The famous environmental word is away, which never goes away. If you put your stuff in a blue bin on the, on the curb, the town comes along and they pick it up and you think it's going off to, you know, to heaven to be something well, recycled. <clears throat> and that's not the case. And so my recent discovery of doing this for the last 20 years or more is that it, it's a spiritual uh, uh, deficit of what human needs are and why we purchase and how we purchase and the amounts we purchase and the size of the stores, and the size of the the carriage to go shopping at certain stores.
0: Now, when did the switch flip
1: for you? Literally on Sunday. This past Sunday? This past Sunday. Wow. After after really delving into all all aspects of it, from being on the beach and making little humble, little sculptured things, just innocently sitting there watching my son, to this moment, to making very crazy pieces, uh being in galleries as as this as my work takes off and uh people see me in different countries and like i my name is starting to get out there i don't know five different continents um and as it slowly becomes more and more uh I'm more my artwork is more and more uh recognized and understanding that it's not a consumption problem that's 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 the process to an object being purchased, utilized, and then discarded. There's the cycle, and it's linear. It's not circular. Right. Like, so the that big movement now is about circular economies and factories where raw materials come in, they're utilized, but the waste doesn't leave the factory. It's either uh, goes to another manufacturer, because they might be able to use those, those end-use mm-hmm. pieces, or it stays within the factory, and they recycle it right there, and then it becomes more product. So as more raw materials come in, it stays within a loop. A circular economy. The, the economy that we are used to is linear. So I have a need. I decide I want to buy something. I buy a television set, plastic, electronic, e-waste, and it lasts two years, and I dump it, and that's it. That's you know straight there's there's not there's nothing else to say about it unless you bring it to a special facility and try to we we you know recycle that so most of our our needs are linear typical capitalistic approach to everything it's a need is met it's used and then it's discarded mm-hmm. and that can be very quickly that can be within 10 minutes single use products that say a coffee shop that puts a little green plug in the cup the the cap so it doesn't spill those little green plugs uh, basically never make it to the car <laughs> they're flipped out and they're thrown yeah. on the street and then it goes into a storm drain which goes into a river which goes into the ocean that sort of thing and so th- there's 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 really no awareness so it becomes uh, for me now it's a spiritual thing it becomes more of Where did we go wrong? How did we get this loss? And this is across all economic strata. It's not about one group of people who have or the have-nots. It's basically everyone is in in on this. And we're enabling it. It's the the user of objects and things is, is, is responsible. And I've had a recent discussion with somebody and they're saying, no, it's the manufacturers. Well, manufacturers only manufacture based upon demand. Demand. Yeah. And so if there's a demand for something, they're gonna, someone's going to hop on it and they're going to make it. And because of the nature of technology, if I have an idea, I could I can 3D print it, send it off to a manufacturer, and in a few hours I can have my product up and on, 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 a, on a website online and I could do this in a week. And 3D printing, as much as I love the technology, especially if it's 3D printing chocolate, uh, which is a whole different issue, but 3D printing is bringing plastics into the environment. And there are ways to extract plastics to make filaments, but that's a long process, and that becomes another issue of identifying what plastics can become filament. But in most cases, people are buying filaments to 3D print. That's just bringing more and more plastic in. And I'm not against that technology because it's a great technology for prototyping. Right. You can't really beat it. And so that's, that's wonderful. But there has to be a solution to what happens to the life expectancy of, of products. And that has to be designed into the product from the get-go. So, those that science yeah, is, it has
0: to be designed with that in mind. Absolutely, like where it's going to go,
1: right? So, it's not we're getting there, it's, it's starting to happen. So, that design thinking type mentality has to be already designed into the product, and there can't be planned obsolescence. It has to be planned what's going to happen to it. How, right. do, we, how do we utilize yeah. it again? So that's, that's where it stems, that's where it's going. But my, my expertise is about what an object is, and how to see an object, and understanding uh, the use of the object and, and its, its, its legacy. So when I was growing up, uh, I have behind you is my grandmother's um, display case, or some other odds and ends. I have a couple of my father's tools. Um, tools that were tools, I mean pliers and things like that, and mm-hmm. they were like, wow, this is a plier. And there's no plastic on it. And if you go to any of these uh, home repair, uh, home shops, uh, you know, lumber yards, the orange store and the blue store, mm-hmm. and you go in and you'll walk up and down the aisle and you'll see nothing but plastic outside of lumber. Everything has got plastic.
0: Because it's cheaper.
1: It's cheaper, it's, 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 it's easy to distribute plastic you know that's why we're in the mess we're in it's uh, where everything used to come in glass so when you reduce the weight of something you have saving transportation costs and, yeah. and manufacturing costs you know it takes just a few seconds to make a, a plastic bottle poof it's done and but they don't go away it's forever and when I when I hear other people talk who are far more knowledgeable than I am about plastics, there's really, it's always the same story. You know, we know there's a problem. We know it's, it doesn't biodegrade. And we, what are we going to do about it? And then it goes backwards. Well, the recycling programs aren't work. Okay, we know that. Okay, we have to stop people from shopping. That ain't
0: happening. <laughs> That's definitely not happening. Not happening.
1: But if you educate people to come back to something they know, which is a spiritual... Experience. I'm not talking about religion. Right. Okay. You want to have religion, go have religion. But I'm talking about how people used to see things and respect objects and respect other things. I do a little a thing called the little red dot. And when I, was, when I make my art, I punch things out and I always have some kind of waste. Or if I'm drilling something in the flute of the drill, little spiral plastic things come yeah. off. And those little spirals became very beautiful to me. They're stunning. And so I would save them, where I sweep sweep up the, the the little chips of plastic from the floor from cuttings, and I saved that. But I had these little red dots, which were just a millimeter in diameter, and I decided I would keep those because I would use them because I could I could squeeze them in a plier, and they'd get flat. And I could manipulate them or I could add them to something, and I realized that is just as significant as the piece I was using. And so mm. I decided to come up with a story about. The little red dot so i i gave a lecture once and i took the little red dot and i had had found i found these little bags uh <laughs> crack bags in a, in a very nice town in a dumpster all vacuum packed it was they were clean there were i found five thousand of them all different sizes and colors they're stunning to have as a plastic plastician artist and I, and I was, had all these little red dots that I punched out, and I put them in little bags, and I went and gave my lecture, and I threw the little, one little red dot on the floor, and I asked the audience, I said, do you see the little red dot? Do you care about it? If you were walking by, you would never care about that little red dot. And everyone said, no. I said, no. I said, I'm going to give you each a little red dot, and I gave everybody a little red dot in a bag, and I said, no, I said, um, it's, uh, the value is $100. I'm because the artist, and I could, I, I could say, give it a value of anything I want. <laughs> so they all went oh it's a value. I said now uh, you can sell it on eBay because an artist and, and I gave myself a special title I said an international artist and you, you, you could see you could see the, the change in attitude went from this little insignificant dot to like oh I have a piece of his art it, even though it was a little tiny little representation right. of it it was the concept it was the the, 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 the intention behind it Um uh, my term for my art is I bring significance to the seemingly insignificant. And, significant, right. and so if you take that same information translate it to that dot is a homeless person on the street and you just walk by him or her. Did you see him? No. Where was it? It's been there for the last eight years. No, I never saw the guy. Right. Exactly. So now what? That little red dot is that guy. But now if I took that same person and I got him up, dressed them, put him in a nice clean plastic bag, <laughs> for mm-hmm. lack of a better description, how would you view that person? So my work is always about bringing it back to the human connection and experience. That's, that's the whole point of it. And so going back to the cat, if I saw the cat on the street, he'd walk right by it. I walked by, I took it up, and I'm like, oh, I got a little cat, I'm gonna make something from it. So I gave it value. Once I manipulate
0: it, it has value on the street. Do you pick up every plastic thing you see on the street when I, you're I out? Pick a, I pick a lot of it up. You, like I mean, this, you, like, you carry a bag with you or uh, something? Sometimes,
1: you, it, no, it doesn't happen. That way.
0: It doesn't happen, right?
1: <laughs> like this piece, this is all debris. The whole thing, it's all debris. This was, this was, this was a coat hanger from a dumpster in Westport, Connecticut. <clears throat> this, these are um, Christmas tree lights. That used to be glass, but now have a little LED in it. Brooms, the, the big blue thing was a dehumidifier, or a humidifier, I think it was a humidifier. There's a cap right here from an oil, olive oil. Oh, yeah! And so it's all different types of plastic debris and what have you. It's under construction. Uh, this black thing was the uh, end of a, a, a very cheap curtain rod. I mean, it's, it goes on and on and on. And so I just take it and I manipulate it and I create this object. And then people are always like, well, I'm just, I'm blown away by how people see it. Now, to make something like that takes a great amount of skill and a lot of invention. So it's always interesting to hear people say, like the piece I have on, how'd you paint that? No, I painted it. It's plastic. It's the way it was manufactured. It's impregnated with color from the moment it was created in in some factory to extrude it to make bottles or whatever it is, or brooms, or whatever it is that you, they're making. The color is
0: in. That's how it can. Chemically. So you yeah, don't need chemically. to manipulate no. the, the I never,
1: color. I never do that. And so I say to them, when people ask, and I get this asked all the time. I have a show in the Westport Library right right now, and I gave a talk last Saturday in Westport and I had a good crowd and people asked the same question I I wear my art while I I speak to people and inevitably someone will come up to me and say, how how do you get the color? I go, do you have a cabinet at home? Do you have a sink? Go look underneath your cabinet because you have about 15 different types of plastics under there with all kinds of crazy chemicals (laughs) and it's right there in front of you. It's everywhere you go, you know. I don't spend 10 cents on art supplies. I never, this, this is completely free. And it's, it's the same with this piece. This piece is Starbucks straws and, and sticks, completely rented from Starbucks. And it's a little story about the straw. You know, yes, it's a straw, but it's also something else. And there's a, there's a, there's a name for that. It's called, uh, the, it's called Gestalt. I work with Gestalt principle of functional fixedness and functional fixedness is a cognitive bias to what an object is right. and so I started thinking about cognitive bias well that's a big one well if I say to you what is this you're going to tell me it's a glass right it I, is. Use a, I use a baseball for my example and so when you look at that if I take that glass and it falls on the floor and it breaks is it still a glass is it still a it's a broken glass, but what do I do now? You know, I forget the term, but the Japanese do this. If something breaks, they reconstruct it, and then they, they use gold to fill in the cracks of, say, a ceramic cup breaks. And so they celebrate the broken cracks and the, the broken piece. Instead of discarding it, they'll reassemble it, and those, those cracks will be filled in with gold. And that's a beautiful thing, it's poetic, it, has, it goes back to what I'm talking about, about the spirit, about what was, what's lacking in, 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 in the human consciousness in the modern world, and, and how, I, how I personally see the world. Um, I'm a classically trained chef, so I've been cooking for, for forever, and so when I look at the world, I look at the world as flavors, like I see you, your flavor, what is the flavor? And people are walking around blind with bigotry and racist concepts in their head. And I'm like, if they only stop to taste the person that they hate, that person has something other than the color of their skin, or their sexual orientation, or their religion. We we could fix the mess if we stop to think of people as flavors. And I used to teach culinary arts in the after-school program in Westport. And had these kids from Westport, and, and I, I was always amazed by by them because they they're, they're even though they're, it's an affluent community, there's something not happening. You know, they're not seeing the world. They're, they're they're just bypassing a lot of stuff. Stop and and taste everything. So I would say to them, Do you like anchovies? No. How do you know? No. Well, did you taste them? No. Well, how do you know? You don't know. You can, you're only saying it because there's something about it that you're put off by. Now you could be. Well, able it's to not familiar. It. Right. So, what if you took the time just to take a little taste? You might like it. You might discover something. Because anchovies is a great is a great one. To use that as an example. It
0: sure is, because I never used to like anchovies, and people used to put it on their pizza, the whole pi- half of the pizza, right. the whole pizza would taste like it. But when right. I went to Europe and I had anchovies, it was another thing. Right. When I had white anchovies, that was another right. thing. When I oil, had goat cheese there, I used to say goat cheese. No. Oh, my God. It was no. like, wait a second. So
1: that's, that's what I'm talking about. So... What's great about anchovies, it's a f- flavor profile called umami, which is a Japanese uh, discovery about the sixth flavor. Now, it was discovered by a Japanese scientist. And the umami is a glutamate. And so you'll find this in uh, Parmesan cheese, mushrooms, tomatoes, and that really, at, uh, MSG, uh, uh, is, is a glutamate, salt. Which
0: heightens sodium glutamate. Soda, sodium glutamate, yeah. right?
1: Right. And 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 that that enhances the flavor, this this umami flavor profile. And so anchovies was used in um, a sauce the Romans make. I forget the name of it, but it's it's very powerful. It really heightens the flavor of food. Uh, um, they use it in fish sauce. Fish sauce, right? in Thailand. That's mm-hmm. that's a glutamate that's used and that really brings out flavors. So. Just taking a little bit, you know, and, and utilizing it. Soy sauce is another one, but it has to be fermented. That's that has that's a, that's a good uh, uh, soy. Uh, so that that that's the same thing. So I'm seeing the world in flavors, you know. If you're not experiencing it, right. you won't know. If you're sitting by someone who's different than you, you might have a conversation. You might make a friend. You might learn something. You might even find a job. <laughs> It's just you don't know who you're sitting next to. You don't know who you're disliking, just because you 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 might have been raised that way.
0: Just because of their live, packaging,
1: right? We're, we're right. We're living in a multicultural country, uh, and 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 yet we're facing lots of different issues. Um, for instance, uh, uh, the police. I think all police departments should take. Um, a course in African history uh, and, and understand the nature of the point of view of, of, of people that are, are, are sometimes profiled maybe, maybe getting a, an insight from a really great part of by being educated and understanding something you won't look at something so
0: negatively well in my experience growing up in New York the cops who had tenure who were like detectives could look at a group of like ghetto kids, all dressed exactly the same. They could pick out the leader. They could pick out the ones that were good but just made a wrong turn that's being influenced. They could pick out the crazy one. They could do it just by their experience and their exposure of being on the street so they weren't like afraid and they were able to see the flavor of each individual exactly so and that i think you know they weren't afraid nowadays you hear oh this you know two-year veteran i'm like how can it be a two-year veteran how can you be a veteran after two right. years of so the force of course, you really need some yeah. and you pull, you pull and experience. a trigger
1: with somebody if you feel like threatened theoretically threatened and you you're operating out of fear and in some some places i've seen in europe uh police departments are trained to uh, apprehend a, somebody that they feel has not done something right in a way to deescalate, escalate Of course. Without the use of, 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 uh, of firearms. And this is, this is true of any kind of escalation, is to, uh, if you're in a combative situation, I, my personal experience is just to turn around and leave. <laughs> Within the confines of marriage or anything else, is just, okay, I'm, I'm out of here and sometimes the person you're dealing with is like well you, you left no i didn't leave i
0: i don't want to de-escalate i don't want to i
1: don't want this to escalate and so the connections are all the same you know we're not we're just starting to learn this i mean quantum physics and mm-hmm. and, and um and, and understanding how things operate or the, my, the mystery of it you know is, is in the quantum state and that's what this stuff is this is just looking at something and, and taking it and manipulating it in a way to create this beautiful object. Because in, in my mind, as I'm making a piece, I'm always thinking it has to have beauty to it. It has to be attractive. And so, when you have textures and colors and, and, and different, they're different actually flavors. I mean, they almost can eat some of this stuff.
0: Oh, it's like strawberry right now. Exactly, and so, Wine. it's exciting to me to see how it captures light And And plus, you're a chef too, so you see things. You're used to plating stuff. You're seeing colors. And and
1: I and I and I taught for for a while. And one of the greatest things about cooking is that um, it starts with knife skills. And knife skills and how you cut uh, uh, an ingredient will determine its flavor to some extent. And that's a Japanese uh, thought on how to use knives and how. Japanese chefs mm-hmm. make sushi and things like that. If you cut it a certain way, it has a certain texture, has a certain mouthfeel. And I utilize that as well. But I always tell people <coughs> use the biggest cutting board you can, have very sharp knives.
0: Now and does it doesn't matter if it's plastic or wood well, or. There's
1: always been a debate about that. Salt
0: base. I saw this like salt cutting board. That was Well, really I would not cool. use that
1: because it's uh, the
0: flavors from the,
1: the. It's stuffs to absorb. You always salt something at the end of the cooking process. And so I would use, I use plastic, or I use wood. And then there's always the beta bacteria and what have you. Right. But, you know, the wood and maple cutting boards have been around for centuries and everybody seems to be okay. But when you're using plastic, you're, you're, you're cutting it to the plastic and you're making microplastics. Some piece of plastic is going to come off of that somewhere. could be lodged in the food. will go down the drain. You know, bacteria gets in there. And in real cooking situations, cutting boards are done by color. So green is for vegetables. Blue is for meat. Uh, I think it's meat. No, red is for meat. Blue is for fish. That sort of thing. So you're not supposed to use one color. Right. So there's no cross-contamination. And I always say, like, I use the same principle in making the art. The piece will tell me what it wants to be. The tomato will say, this is what you can do with me. Right? And then you, then you go with what the tomato tells you. And you speak to t- tomato. So there's a relationship. And there's a mindfulness and there's an insight into how the relationship is between the object, which happens to be a food ingredient, and making it into something that's delicious and edible, nutritious. So nutrition it's like this
0: cap right. will dictate, dictate how you're going to use it,
1: right? And that's that's what's great about plastic, is because it's malleable, and every piece of plastic, especially on this piece, this blue piece, is that um, it is many types of plastic which, in most cases, they shouldn't be st- stuck together, but they're, they're melted together, and they're fused together, and they all work in harmony. And each piece of plastic, as I work with them, <coughs> will react in a certain way to how I manipulate it. So it's telling me what to do. Right. And it's very rare that I don't use a piece uh, because it didn't work out for me, because uh, I've tested it. I'm making little tests with it to see how it reacts. And then I go from there. But its, it's I'm not doing it. It's, it's, it's saying, do this to me. And so imagine if you did that with people. Hi. You met somebody. And you walk up to them and you call them a derogatory name. You're not going to have a friend. <laughs> <laughs> but you walk up to somebody and say, hi. How are you? What's your name? Yeah, I saw you standing there. Would, you know, Want to have a coffee? And I, I found that to be true in Europe. Uh, my experiences. I was in a in a, in a, in a town in in, what, in uh, Connecticut, and I was at a Starbucks, and it was packed, and there was only one seat, and it was at my table, and everybody was like just in oblivious. And this guy came over to me. He goes, "May I sit there?" I said, "But of course, have a seat." I said, "You're not from here, are you?" He goes, "No, I'm from Belgium." I says, "I could see that. <laughs> I I, I get that." He goes, well, he goes, well, how do you know?" He goes, "Because you're going to sit with me." You know was visiting? You mm-hmm. wanted to sit? Question there was a time where you used to sit at a table with other people. Yeah, communal. and they weren't disconnected. They were not engaged into headphones and iPads and iPhones and and whatever you know, just you might as well just go out and have a coffee in a wetsuit with goggles on and where the science says, do not disturb. because people
0: aren't connecting and they're becoming disconnected. I
1: walk along the streets in Brooklyn or wherever I am and someone's walking towards me with their face into a phone texting and we kind of just stop. And I'm not, I'm just walking like normal. And they're like, excuse me? They're like, look up, dude. You're gonna get, (laughs) okay?
0: Gosh, there was a girl who fell in an open sewer hole a few years back when I was coming down to take care of my mom, like right around the corner. The thing was cordless, she was... And she just, boom, just fell down this construction thing that was wide open, but she wasn't Crazy. paying attention. And just, you know, having that's grown up you, in New York, in the city, I mean, pfft, I attention. wouldn't... Yeah, not paying, not paying attention when someone says, you know, I, I want to be able to hear it so I can move out of the way. Right. And, and you know, you and just... That's, that's you got to be that's on. That's the
1: ongoing theme of all of it. We're not paying attention. So as we're going about our lives... We're going about our lives because that's it's from our point of view. And you're going through your life to get through the day, to pay the bills, to make ends meet, to whatever yeah. it is, to get home, to get the kids to soccer, whatever it is that you're doing and everything else around you. Now, back in the day, that wasn't the case because grandma might be there or the aunt might be there or the neighbor might be yeah. there. And now, an industry of, of, of daycares sprung up because there are no more grandmas, and, and people don't want to do that anymore. So, the village concept has sort of gone out the window. And with all of that, uh, is, is, that's gone out the window is people making and doing and creating and, and doing things for themselves. So, today, you know, people feel like they made something because they assembled an IKEA table. Well, I made, no, you didn't. <laughs>
0: You put, together, you put it but together but you didn't make it.
1: Right. So if you if you went out and got a chunk of wood, and we're we're lucky in America because we have choices to go and buy tools. Or we can go buy any material and we can make things or we can sew things or we can bake things. And you don't need much. You really don't need much and that's really the whole point. You don't need to get a very high-end chef's knife that costs seventy-five dollars and a, and more. You, but you need to
0: have a sharp knife. It's you need got a sharp, sharp knife.
1: You can have you can have a, 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 a carbon carbon knife, steel knife that costs twelve dollars in a restaurant supply store, or you can get a stainless steel one which doesn't hold an edge, <laughs> and spend a fortune, and have a very sharp knife. It'll rust. You clean the rust off. Uh, I spend a lot of time going into dumps, and I find the most incredible things because someone. It it had a chip or this. I I, I have so many things from from the dump that are in perfectly mint condition, that have great value, that um, I wondered, why did this come here? Because someone's someone's expectation of it was, was it met bicycles are like a dime a dozen? I mean, like, that's crazy, I mean, bicycles are in the dump. Uh, and there are countries in the world where they would love to, to have those bicycles. And there are programs where people can bring their bikes so they can be shipped to different countries in the world. I actually have a friend who's very involved with that, an American guy living in France, who went to Africa. He's a, a world, he's a genius of bikes, bicycles. His passion and love is bicycles. Somebody you might want to know. And um, he spent three months there. Educating a village on how to fix and repair and build bicycles.
0: Uh, fix, repair, and build.
1: Yes, and that's that's true of all of this. You know, there's the makers movements come back. It's um, people repairing stuff. I think it's Sweden or Switzerland, one of those countries where it's mandatory now that you have to fix something. Like <laughs> they, have, oh, really? they have centers where Pretty you cool. can bring stuff and fix things. It's happening in Brooklyn as well. Oh really? There's a lot of meetups. Where people bring a broken radio, you you can fix a radio, but I can show you how to how to you know bake a cake, and people bought and share that kind of information. But it has to be it has to be bigger than that. There has to be a radical change.
0: Where yeah, but our, if it starts, it's got to start somewhere. So if it starts community, 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 then we can kind of get back to the community thing.
1: Well, when when, when you have goods. status, when you're up against status, and 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 people believe in status and I'm better than you because my car is bigger and fancier or I live in this neighborhood and you're competing with status because I have discretionary dollars, it's going to be a long time before we get to a place where everyone's feeling happy-go-lucky about being next to somebody who doesn't. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure we're ever going to get to that place. That's that's what the problem is. When (laughs) you're in a community of status and, and discretionary dollars, it becomes a different issue because I, I, I poke around a lot. I poke around in people's garages. I can go to houses in specifically Connecticut in the suburbs and you open, open a garage, there's no car in there. And there will never be a car in there because it's just packed with plastic toys and plastic this, and, and 90% of it's plastic and stuff and luggage and, and boxes and things, and you go, what happened? No, oh, yeah, put it here. I can't go in the garage anymore. I see this all the time. People's, another thing I do is I poke around people's... Uh, if I go to someone's house for a party or something, I go to the bathroom. I always look in the cabinet underneath to see how much... Chemical waste is under there in plastic. Just, just, for, and sometimes I photograph it, and it should be a, 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 a coffee table book. Just to, because it's it's mind-boggling, it's mind-boggling, because that's that in, in itself. If, when you look at that kind of plastic, of you know, like all these products and cleaning products, and you, they should never be together. First of all, and where is it going to go? When you use it, it's going down the drain. Where's Where's that water going? Oh, my sink is spotless and it's shiny, and it's you know it's bone white and it's you know um, status. So look at my four thousand dollar sink. It's it's got super duper everything, and it's highly clean. But I, I chemicalized it to death, and all I went down the drain. Went down the drain. Where does it go? It goes either into a septic tank, which drains into the ground, which pollutes artisanal wells, or it's going into a, a, a basin and going out to the, a river, or which feeds into an ocean, and it's killing everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's at that point.
0: If there's artists listening that would like to get into becoming a, what did you call it? A, a plastician, a plastician, plastician artist. Yeah. Things you need to know before you get going. You were born naked. That's one. That's one. Okay.
1: Everything you're going to put on that day has got plastic in it. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to indulge in plastic hundreds of times in the day, and, and that's two. And, and if you drive, the entire interior of your car is plastic, and a lot of it outside is plastic. And so plastic is everywhere. You don't have to go far. It's always in the environment in some form or other either by micro nano plastic that you can't see Uh or or in some form of the plastic bag or the eyeglasses you wear or the contact lenses or the shoes you put on is nylon plastic nylon is plastic and it's all plastic we can't get away from it it's addictive it's beautiful it's 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 a beautiful beautiful naked woman and it's enticing and it's sensuous and it can be molded, and it can take heat, and it's unbelievable. We're addicted. It's not so easy to get rid of it. And there are a lot of movements for zero waste and plastic-free. And there are some people who use that as their, 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 you know, their platform. And I wonder if they are, mm-hmm. because of the nature of the, the addictiveness of it. And because we have addictive personalities it's it comes in in a a stealth way it's always going to be present it's always going to be there there might be an implant there might be a medical device in your body that's plastic so the the artist that wants to work in plastics at the level that i'm working at is just to start taking it and and manipulating it and trying to understand what its potential is as a means to have a discussion about not using it (laughs) because that's what this is about this is using plastic about saying look, this is the story of this object and what the object was, Even it's taken out of the, the waste stream, mm-hmm. right? but it's only taken out of the waste stream until it becomes garbage again. So it might be beautiful, it might be this, it might be that, and it might be in a gallery, but at the end of the day it's still with us and it's not going away, and that's the story of it, that's why it's done. To have a conversation about it, about what what are we doing?
0: What are we doing? This is Lamont saying thanks for joining us. Please hit up our website if you haven't done so already, insidethepassion.com. This episode will have its own dedicated web page in the music and art category with images and links to Daniel Lanzalotta's beautiful pieces of artwork. Thank you for listening to insidethepassion.com.